and welcome to Ted Talks Funny. That's Ted colon Talks Funny. Not Talks Funny about his colon, although I might get onto that a bit later. It's Ted Robbins here. Uh, first time I've ever done this. Stick with me. I'm very glad to say that uh, the first guest I've got is somebody I've known for a long time, but um, it is for those of you who've stumbled upon me by chance, my name's Ted Robbins. I've been hacking around the business for, well, I, if you count my first season as a dolphin trainer in Port Call in, in um, South Wales, when, <laughs> when I was um, working with my dad, who was out of work, so he got a job managing a dolphinarium, 30 quid a week, and all the mackerel we could eat. I thank you. And uh, that was 50 years ago. And I, I was a spieler at the dolphin shows. And from then on, my career's been, on the, as uh, Les Dawson used to say, on the crest of a slump. There'll be many more references to Les Dawson and other comedians alive and living throughout this. And I'm glad to say I'm still alive and living. Um, and I'm absolutely, I'm going to get straight on with it and introduce a mate of mine who is, uh, well, just a great guy. I've got to say that because he's listening. He's a narrator. He's also a fine actor in Cold Feet. I did his warm-up when he was on Men Behaving Badly, uh, Fast Show. Uh, my favourite particular one was the, the Deaf Stunt Man, but he's also known for mm, jazz, nice. And also an ace drummer. And it is the one and only ladies and gentlemen, John Thompson. Hi, John. Hello. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for having me on as well, because you, you've done this before, and uh, you well, I, I'm 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 blushing like a new bride. Really, no, don't 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 be. It's an oh, it's no, just it's like basically turn on the mic and chat, really. Oh right. Yeah, no expletives. And no, oh, and all your impressions. I guy are mixer mad. Okay, that's Norman. Collier. Oh, Microphone. I, yeah. I, I, there was the, of course the microphone uh, uh, stunt that he would do. That was people think they can do it, but you but can. The can thing you? is, we have to kind of the word, and it Listen. works that way. No. You see, you've got the you've got to the word and stop it. It's very hard. It's not it's not easy to do at all. But what Norman Collie was also very good at, and I don't, you'll know this, Ted, because uh, you you know them all. Yeah. Is he did a fine chicken. <gasps> he used he to pull his jacket round his waist. <laughs> yeah, drama school, sometimes they tell you to go to the zoo and watch an animal and come back and do it, you know. Well, Norman Collier, if it was a zoo that had a chicken, would have won it hands down because he could. He did absolutely, you know, scratching the floor. And He told me once that he, in a working man's club, he went in and had to use the loo, the cubicle, and he was sitting there. And a voice, after a while, a voice said, Norman? He said, yeah. He said, are you in there? He said, well, I am, yeah. Oh, would you sign this for us? And the fellow shoved a piece of paper under the door. You're joking. While he was uh, at rest, as we say. Yes, I've been stood next to someone in a urinal, and they went, Sean Thompson, isn't it? And then he's, he's like, uh, clocked me, and I've gone, uh, yeah, that's right, yeah. Not really engaging while I'm, while I'm, while I'm mid-flow, you know. Then he zips up, I zip up, and he just goes, can I shake your hand? And I said, not till you've washed it. No. 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 Wash your hands. No, wash your hands, then you can shake it. And make sure it's dry under the dryer as well. I don't want a wet hand, no matter how clean it is. Oh, no. Have you ever come out of the loo, having washed your hands, and you haven't quite dried them enough? Because no one's got the time, have they? No. Under those dryers. And you see something, oh, yeah, and they shake your hand. Yeah, they look at you. 
it's not piss. Yeah. I've done that. I can prove it. Yeah. And they, they edge away from you nervously. I do quite a strong friction rub on the reverse of the thigh that usually t- sort of compensates for a poor, very low wattage dryer. There's some absolute belters now, uh, some of those electronic hand dryers, that will make the back of your hand look like Roger Moore's face in Moonraker. <laughs> <laughs> can you do Roger Moore? Of course I can. It's one of my favourites. Is it? It's one of my favourites, of course. Don't keep the lady waiting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. You worked with arcades, my sister Kate. For many years, on Spitting Image, I did, yes. The Chicken Song, of course, which got to number one. It digged. And uh, I don't think you were on that one. No, you? I think I had something to do with I've never met a nice South African. Oh, yes, yeah, but I've never met a nice South African. Yeah, I don't know whether we get away with that these days. I met some lovely South Africans, to be honest. Yes, same here. What's the South African who said, uh, do you have a grudge? Yes, that's how I keep my car in it. <laughs> do you have a husky? No, what is a husky? Well, it's what you open your husky with. The door with, yes, of course. Um, oh, I'm trying to keep up with John Thompson with impressions. Is there one accent you can't do? I do a fair Geordie, like. There's like a generic Geordie that everyone sort of does, like, you know. But there's all those boroughs, like... Uh, all around as Tynesiders, Teesiders. Vic and Bob, they were more the Darlington way, County Durham. And that's a lot more sort of like, you know, Bob sort of like that, you know. And they say things like, I, I couldn't, I didn't have a mobile, so I'll use the, the phone booth. Well, you mentioned um, uh, sort of northern style humour there. And you're from north, aren't you? I am, yeah. I think I first became aware of you, as many people did, when you were with uh, Steve Coogan and That's right. Gang, um, with with lovely... Um, Carolina Hearn. T- Sister Immaculate, was it? Sister Mary Immaculate was yeah, a character. Right. Yeah, was it a group you went round in? in Not really. What happened was, it was that kind of period in the 90s in Manchester where it was a kind of cultural melting pot of talent. So it was all the Manchester bands were coming through. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, there was an underbelly, though, of, uh, of guns and, and, and quite a lot of crime and gangs in Manchester, you know? I mean, people... I, I remember a horror story of someone getting shot for fly-posting over someone else's poster. Yeah. You know what I mean? So there was... A, despite the fact that it was... The, the Hacienda was still thriving, yeah. the, the music scene was huge, the club scene was massive, you know, it was an amazing time to be alive and to be part of. I worked with Tony Wilson a lot... Tony, yes, I do, Tony Wilson. Um, the thing with Tony was he would be very mank if he was talking about his city. That's it. And how much it was, you know, a cultural phenomenon is happening in Manchester. But then he would go a little bit more kind of Oxford, if depending if he was interviewing a politician. He'd be like that. Just before I forget, let me just tell you about Bez from Happy Mondays. Yes. I was doing one of the last warm-ups I ever did for um, warm-up in the, the studio audience. You have to fill him in on, on Mastermind. Yes. And Bez was on Celebrity Mastermind. Yeah. And some of the celebrities, the audience would be brought in from the Arndale Centre and be sitting there, glad for a sit-down in the studios. And you'd be sat there and I'd say, welcome to Celebrity Mastermind. And somebody would come out would be like described as a uh, social media influencer. 
And then yes. they what who's what's that lad? He's never heard of him. Were he on Coronation? No. And at the end, John Humphreys would always say, um, remember, you don't have to be a celebrity to be on uh, Mastermind. And after he'd gone, I'd go, this is why I got sacked, I think. I said, you don't strictly have to be a celebrity to be on Celebrity Mastermind. <laughs> but we had Bez on it once. Uh, Happy Mondays dancing. How did he do? Well. What was his chosen specialised subject? Bees. Beekeeping. Apiary. He, apiary. he keeps bees. Oh my goodness keep, me. This isn't the gag. He keeps bees. Because we all know the bee gag, don't we? You know yes. the bee gag. Go on, tell us the bee well, gag. Is the one about the bloke with a record at the shop? Well, it's, it, it, he keeps bees. Do you know that? Oh, one? I know, yes. How many have you got in your hive? Yeah. And he goes, he goes, he goes, how many hives have you got? One. He goes, one hive? Yeah. Well, how many bees have you got? He goes, 400,000. And he goes, 400,000. This is a swearing joke, Ted. Do you know that, don't you? Is it, is it, I don't know what the watershed is on this. So he goes, Four, what, 400,000 bees, one hive? He went, that's that's morally bankrupt. He went, that can't be right. That's cruel, isn't it? And he goes, fuck him. <laughs> is that the one? That's it. It did it. Yeah, it's great. Well, Bez was on talking about bees, and he knew yeah. the answer. But like a two Ronnie sketch, he knew it three questions later. It's just oh, like his right, brain was a little bit. Fried. Okay, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a bit fried. Lovely man. And in the informal chat, which they cut out, of course, he said, uh, "Well, Bez, uh, your your celebrity, your subject, of course, was uh, keeping bees." He said, "I was just thinking your name, B E Z. Uh, you could add an E, and it would be bees." And mm-hmm. Bez said. Quite frankly, John, I've always found added a knee to anything makes it much fucking better. Oh, my God. How good is that? What <laughs> a great comeback that I'm is. Going, yeah, and the camera crew, oh, yes, and he never made it. Of course. Well, I have a bone to pick with you. Well, I've got you here. Oh, dear. Well, when I did Celebrity Mastermind, yes. my chosen specialised subject, I made a rod for my own back, was Bond villains, right? And Stuart Lee chose some avant-garde bassist called Bailey, who had my dad said, there's, there's no, no one's written a book about that. So it's basically, so what he's done is he's narrowed the field yeah, yeah. To, 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 to some personal expertise that no one else can ask any, any he's just like, there's no, no but, but I did 22 films over tw- three decades, all the villains. So I was just mad to do it. Anyway, I remember I just flew through me, me chosen specialised. I got 14 and no passes yeah. and you were doing the warm up. And then Stuart Lee went on and he he smashed it. I don't think he got a single pass, yeah. but then he started to flounder in his general knowledge. But, and here's the big but. On Mastermind, there is no visible record of the score. No. You, there's no no counter. There's no one telling what who's got what. It's, it's a verbal sum up mm. by the presenter. Mm. Anyway, Stuart kind of went, and there you you got uh, you got twelve, and you looked at me and me mode across the studio. You've won, I did. and I was like, oh my god, yeah. brilliant! What a dream! Because I won. I've won every game show I've ever done with the exception of 15 to 1 where I came second and I came second on Mastermind by a point to Stuart I told you'd won and you hadn't no I'd lost by I missed it by a point he won it Stuart Lee but he went to Cambridge and I didn't I just went to comp now listen we've got um, I like this premise you know I've got 15 cards each one's got a question on it choose any number what would you like, John Thompson? I'll start with my favourite number is number two. Number two? Okay. John, what's the most unsuitable job for you? You or me? The most unsuitable job for me? For you? For me? Yeah. 
It's like the Chuckle Brothers now, this, isn't it? I'll tell you what it would be. I would, I'd say it's a sports pundit because I hate it. Do you hate all sports? All sport. Hate it all. All of it. My, my, my dogma is that if you don't read a newspaper and you don't follow sport, you have a genuinely happier life because it's two disappointments less in life. It's... The news, you don't have to read a paper because if you, find, if you hear bad news, it travels. Someone will tell you. But the news, it's like an absolute, you know, it's a page after page of misery. Why would you start your day like that? And the other thing I mean, about sport is, especially if you're from Manchester or Liverpool, as I am, and yeah. the colours apply. Like I've always said, it creates divisions. What are you, blue or red? Do you know what? what? First time that was asked me was a taxi driver in London. Yeah. When I started having a few meetings, you know, I'd been discovered. And, yeah. and a taxi driver went, all right. He goes, John, in it? I go, that's right. He goes, are you, you, where are you coming from then? I went, Manchester. And he went, are you blue or a red? I go, and I, do you know what I said? What? Red, Labour. <laughs> Totally stony face. They burst out laughing. I went, What's so funny about that? Are you Tory? <laughs> and he went, No, no, football. And I went, Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not interested. <laughs> I thought it was a bit of a strange opening gambit. Which political party do you support? I thought, Weird. What was the character in the fast show who always wanted to keep up with fashion? He'd support Arsenal United. Mm. A hamper on, didn't he? he that's like, Roger, the Nouvelle football fan. Yes, that's. Yes. Who is really, it's just like a bloke trying to like football, but doesn't got a clue what it's yeah, about. Yeah. And um, it's been compared directly to Piers Morgan. Yes, yes. That Everyone says that's what he is. He's like a, he's a pretender to the throne. Yeah. Do you remember um, Stephen Fry's joke about him? He said, What was uh, it? Well, he said if regicide is to kill a king, um, and if fratricide is to kill your brother, uh, does that make countryside to kill Piers Morgan? <laughs> That's a brilliant joke. It's good, Stephen. Very Fry. good. Um, I'd like you to choose another card now, John. Lucky seven, Ted. Lucky seven. Round she goes. What's your favourite sitcom? Well, you know when you're in your uh, formative years, the show that gets the repeats in the playground. Yeah. My thing was the young ones. I yeah. absolutely loved the young ones because it was so different but still so brilliantly funny, but like nothing else I'd ever seen. So that was the kind of, you know, I've seen them all, you know, really, and all that, you know. So, oh, yeah, man. I mean, I could impersonate all the whole cast, and it was just a great, great, so different, so brilliant. But, of course, I love all the old school. I love them all, you know. I liked um, Please Sir. Please Sir. It was John Alderton. John Alderton. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. It was Lulu in that. Lou? No, that's to Sir With Love with Sidney Poitier. Yeah, with Sidney Poitier. Yeah, yeah. I worked with Lulu once, you know, and Kenneth Williams on an ITV. He said he really liked you, didn't he? He said he talked to you, they're tired here. He said he really liked you. Well, he did. We, we did a, a show that was, um, always be careful what you name a show. Granada thought, saw this young, blossoming lad, 1984, 1985, i.e. me, thought, we've got to find the right vehicle for him. So I I, I I went on. They they picked me to present a Saturday night peak time show called Some You Win. Okay. We'll never call it Some You Win because we didn't. It just didn't work. And the idea was that it's a pilot that didn't. No, it was a series of seven shows. I got Wally of the Week in the News of the World for Nina Muscat, and she said bobbing up on ITV like a grotesque barrage balloon. A highly talentless. And hugely charmless Ted Robbins, whose only claim to fame is he's Paul McCartney's cousin. Never mind, Paul. Every family's got one. But I've, I've forgotten about it now. I don't remember it now. 
It was me, Kenneth Williams, and Lulu. Reunited at last. <laughs> oh, Mason, <laughs> Anyway, it was a long time ago. But I love all that. I love all that. The Daily Mail printed that I was playing Hancock, and my agent went, congratulations, love, but we didn't know about this. And I went, well, that's... No, I didn't. I don't know. I wasn't even seen for it. They just cast me. I went, uh, anyway... It was Ken Stott. It wasn't me at all. No. <laughs> it wasn't me. They thought you... But you printed it. They said that I had John Thompson to play uh, Hancock. Oh, teary, teary me. It wasn't me, though. So, Ted, oh, there we go. Who do you get mistaken for? Because I, I used to, when I was younger, I used to get mistaken for Keith Chegwin occasionally. There is an actor called Lee Boardman. Oh, yeah, no, Lee, yeah. That me and Lee have... Uh, uh, there was a similarity. Back in the day, when The Full Monty came out, uh, myself and Mark Addy... Ah, we're often, yes. uh, they thought that we were one and the same. Well, but that's when, purely because you're well-covered men, aren't you? Yes, that's true. Mark's more covered now and less covered on top, so... You're a shadow of your former self now, aren't you? Um, well, I, I I remember at 18 I had a 30 waist and I'm I'm, I'm quite content with the 36 at 53. <laughs> that's very good. <laughs> Taller lying down. Um, John, it's time for another number from my... House of Cards, what number would you like between 1 and 15? I will go for uh, number 12. Number 12? John Thompson, what was your earliest, your very earliest comedy influence? And what made you really laugh as a kid? Right. Going so, way, way back, way back. Taking it back, so I grew up in a small village called New Longton, which is just outside of Preston. You were adopted. I was adopted. So I am Salford born. Yes. I am Didsbury adopted, where I currently reside. Didsbury is my proper spiritual home. So I grew up in a small village and we had a great community spirit because we had a village hall that would do shows and Amdram. My mum did Amdram there. Right. And I remember seeing her in a play called Dark Lucy. And it was a kind of scary ghost story thing. And I apparently, uh, the night I went to see it was my mum came on and I shot. I went, that's my mummy! <laughs> and it's once both, I think it was quite a, a crucial, dramatic <laughs> moment. So kind of heckled my own mother and ruined the show. So that's not a good start, really. So um, I, I, going back to doing school plays, when I was very young, I did a, the, my first show was a nativity and I brought my own beard. Now, the beard itself was made of, I think, carpet. You know that thing between the underlay and the carpet that's made of mixed fibre that's <laughs> made with a bit of horse hair? It was sort of made of that. I don't know what substance it was, but it was very, very rough. rough yeah. And it was just an elastic that went over your head and there was a small hole in it. And I put that on because I was a shepherd. And it, there were some hairs were a bit stray and they would tickle me under the nose. <laughs> and it was something like, behold, a star in the east. And I went, <laughs> and the beard shot up. The, the beard shot up vertically and covered the front of my face because it was tickling me. And um, and the sneeze made the beard, the elastic go, and the beard went fine straight across my, my forehead. Yeah. Well, it brought the house down. I thought, ooh, I like that. This is good. I had no lines, no words. And I thought, ooh, uh, you know. So that was that. And then at the Village Hall, we did a variety show where I did Frank Spencer doing magic tricks. Because I don't think my Cooper was kind of... I don't think it was... It wasn't ready. <laughs> and I wasn't deep enough. So I could do the thing, you know. <laughs> so anyone anyone who's got the ability to do impressions, any mimic, uh, uh, 
of my generation or anyone with any any anyone who can do a few voices mm. could usually do a pretty mean Frank Spencer because it was so good to pick up on. There's so nuanced, so many. <coughs> there's so many different things you see. <laughs> And um, I did a magic tricks that were like, so it's Tommy Cooper's act, but done by Frank Spencer. And I remember, it must have been like 1976. Yeah. And I went, I need a, 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 a man to come up on the stage. So someone came up and I went, I need a, I need a five pound note and a 10p piece. So it was a magic wallet. So you put the 10p in a, in a section and folded it over. And then you put the fiver on the other side and then you flip the wallet and they, they both disappeared. And I went, thank you very much. And everyone, round of applause. And I went, go back to your seat now. And I kept it. So five pound 5p in 1976 was a pretty well paid gig for a five-year-old. I mean, if we could look that up and see what inflation, I mean, what it's worth today, £5.5p. 76, you say? 1976, £5.5. More than most comics were getting for a professional gig. Your £5.5 would be worth £40 now. That's all right for a five-year-old, isn't it? Yeah. I remember um, some of the clubs, especially the working, the working men's clubs, they'd actually put on the committee board what you were on. Get out. A singer, she's on £50. And a comedian, they didn't put question mark behind it, but Ted Rogers, I get booked us sometimes. Not as Ted Rogers, but uh, just spelling mistake. A Ted Rogers tribute. <laughs> <laughs> the three, two, the king of 3 two, one, Ted. I met him once. And, uh, what was his background, Ted? Background. Blue coat? Red coat? Yeah, he was a blue coat. I think he was a blue coat. You're right there. As so many of the comics were. Certainly ones that I really like. And I'm probably being biased, but Bradley Walsh. Yeah. I think or red coat, blue yeah, coat. He was. He Lee was. Mack was a blue coat at Pontins. Right. He was in Lancaster, where my dad was entertainment manager many, many years ago. Right, brilliant. And Des O'Connor, because um, I worked with, I, for 20 years, did Des O'Connor Tonight. And I got on really well with him. He said, your dad was a great Mr. Showbiz, he called him. I've, I met your dad. He looks a bit like Colonel Sanders, doesn't he? He did. He did. <laughs> you don't know anything about football, but he'd love the fact that Wrexham Football Club are now worldwide. My dad supported them for 70 years. And when, when he died, my son and I, Jack and I, were invited to the race course ground by the board. And we were guests of honour. And they put at the end of the pitch, big picture of my dad. It said, Mike Robbins, 70 years of red. And they struck up, and all the lads cheered. Oh, how and, uh, lovely. wasn't a dry eye in the house. But um, get back to red coats. Des would come on, and he'd do jokes about... He was about 22, 23, good-looking, fit young man. He was really a sports coach. But he was he, very handsome, very yeah, handsome. Lovely man, but he, he was doing gags about, take my wife, please. Oh, I said to yeah, him, yeah. and he'd say, Mike, why aren't I getting any laughs? He said, well, one... You're doing the gags that you got from the comic last night, like Jimmy Wheeler and these old comics would come, and he, he'd, he'd scribble a few, pinch a few gags, you know, and work them again the next day. So everyone's heard them. And then um, he was doing gags about, he said, you haven't got a wife and kids. You, you look like a lad of about 18. We know you haven't got three kids. Where else? Uh, yeah. Somebody like Les Dawson. Good comics have that look, and they come out. Tommy Cooper that you did before. People just looked and laughed. You reminded me of something like Nick, you know, nicking jokes and stuff. Yeah. There's a story about Bernard Manning at the embassy. He had a blackboard in the office and he used to write down ones that other. Do you know that one? No, well, and they got broken into and someone wiped the blackboard. And, he went, he, and they went, they took the till takings, they've got the safe. He went, I don't care about that. He went, look, someone's wiped my blackboard clean. <laughs> and it was all the jokes that 
from touring comics that had gone to the embassy. He'd written on the blackboard, gone, right, I'll have that. I can recycle that. I'll, I'll use that. The thief of bad gags. Well, I saw this. He had a pencil nailed in the wall at the right, side. Right, you've seen it firsthand. This is brilliant. This is probably after the blackboard. And what he'd do is he'd just stand. The comics would come out and they'd do the gag. And he'd write it on the wall with this pencil, like a bookie's pencil, hanging down a bit of string. And this section of wall had all these gags on. And the house, it got decorated when he was away. He was painting over me in wall. My gang. And they're all the gags. Yeah, right. Isn't it funny how we, apocryphal, apocryphal stories change? A thief of bad gags. Yeah. yeah. There's a few of them. I have got a story about Bernard that it's a bit, there's a, there's a bit of swearing in it, though. What? The thing about Bernard was he kind of like, his subterfuge for his kind of risque humour. Yeah was the fact he was a great ambassador for charity, but what I made the point of... Te- I mean, I do charity work, but I don't shout it from the rooftops. No. Do you know what I mean? There's a name for it now. It's called virtue signalling. Oh, yeah. You know, on social media, we go, look at me doing this, I'm doing... I, I just don't bother. Anyway, Bernard, he, he decided... These, the the, the WI decided to book him in Wilmslow, you know, in Cheshire, and it was all a bit twin set and pearls. She went, oh, Bernard, she went, thank you for coming tonight. She went... She went, we're taking a big risk with you, you know. We don't normally uh, book a blue comedian. But uh, he goes, but my friends say that you work very well with the charities and, and can raise a lot of money. He went, love, you've got the right man for the job. He went, and he had, a, uh, like, uh, an accomplice with him. Mm. And he went, uh, uh, don't worry, Gladys. He said, uh, you pick the right man for the job. But if it's charity money you want to raise, he went, I'm your man. He went, he said, absolutely no qualms about that. He said, you'll make a fortune. He went... Just a minute, he went, Dave, he went, how much did we raise for them cunts last week? <laughs> in front of her. <laughs> in front of the woman. <laughs> That's so bad. <laughs> God, I would love to have been a fly on the wall. <laughs> you might have to put a warning out before the show. I don't normally swear, but you see, so you know, it's all in context. Isn't it? <laughs> he, knew, he knew what he was doing. He played Vegas, though, Bernard. He's the only, the only one that ever did it. Apparently he did, didn't he? I don't know how well he went. Yeah. My other great favourite, and you know him, of course, uh, was Les Dawson. Yeah, absolutely. Very quickly give you my favourite joke. In fact, I'm going to tell you my favourite joke, and I'll ask you, it's number 10, if you want to ask for card number 10. Can I have card number 10, please, Ted? Oh, yes. What's your favourite joke of all time? <laughs> I'll tell you mine while you're thinking. It's not even the funniest, but it's just one that makes me smile, laugh. It's probably a bit incorrect, but I don't care. And it's Les Dawson, circa 74, 5, black and white. And he's got his head in his hands at the piano. Mm. Please excuse my moribund state of dyspepsia and uh, misery this evening. He says we've had some terrible news about the wife's mother's funeral tomorrow. She's cancelled it. <laughs> Brilliant. And it's, you know, I just, I just love it. She's cancelled it. Well, I've got like, there's a few like short ones, like what do you call a hen staring at lettuce? Chicken Caesar salad. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's a great joke. Uh, what, why did the baker have brown fingers? I don't know. Because he needed a poo. Oh! So, that, I like those. They're all right, short and sweet. It's all right. I've had my own struggles. I said, I'm not afraid to say that uh, a bit of a player back in the day, you know, was rock and roll. But I said, I saw the light and, I, you know, I had an epiphany and, and um, I'm okay now. But I said, but my biggest problem was the hokey cokey. And, uh, uh, you know, you can forget your drugs and drink. I went, uh, the hokey cokey became quite a serious problem for me. And... Uh, I was addicted to it very badly. Um, I would try and any party I went to, I would try and get the DJ to play it. Um, uh, you know, any I would suddenly try and arrange impromptu flash mob okey cokey sessions in the in the middle of nowhere. Uh, I was just literally I was obsessed with trying to you know get random strangers to perform the hokey cokey to the point where it was destroying my life. You know, it became quite a uh, quite a, quite a problem. So, uh, but I'm I'm very happy to say. Um, I've turned myself around, and that's what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> that's you see, just, I was just, frantically working. You, you were buying into that, then, weren't no, you? No, I was trying to work out the tag. Where's the payoff? He put it in. He put his left one in. Oh, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great joke. Oh. It's a great joke. And the more you, the more you, the, the more serious you, you set it up, you know. People say I became obsessed about. Phil Collins, I had a real obsession about it, but take a look at me now. <laughs> but I like these kind, those kind of jokes. They, 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 you can put them in pantos, can't you? Yes. They kind of work. I, the panto gag I loved, said was the one, it was like this one, he went, Nurse Nelly, he went, your cooking's terrible. She went, what do you mean, me cooking's terrible? He went, well, he went, your shepherd's pie tastes the shepherd's. She went, oh, he went, your cottage pie tastes like cottages. <gasps> he went, your toad in the hole tastes just like toads. He went, what's for dinner tonight? She went, spotted dick. He goes, I'll have a sandwich. <laughs> Great. Great. I like the Dame one that I could never use. They wouldn't let me do it at the Stockport Plaza. And it was, uh, I was playing Widow Swanky on the Dame. Yeah, yeah. I said, oh, I said, are you all right there? Oh, no, it's terrible. My first husband, oh, she said, he was an optician. He used to just look at it. <laughs> My second husband, he was a masseur. He used to rub it. <laughs> and my third husband, he was a stamp collector. Oh, I do miss him. <laughs> John, time to spin the wheel and pick another card to mix my metaphor game shows. I'll go for number eight. Number eight. Infinity. The day I died. Well, I can claim twice there because I once did die, uh, literally, dead. 31st of January 2015 on stage with the Phoenix Night Gang. Much reported, it was a quiet news day and I had a cardiac arrest and collapsed and my life was saved. And um, A medic jumped up called Gary. Gary Who I've met. Yeah, great. You haven't met Gary? I met him, yeah. He was, a, he was our uh, yeah. standby paramedic on Brassic. Of course he was. Yes. He, he does quite a bit of that now. He's quite a showbiz now. But he, by, his story is incredible, how we came to meet and the, he was in a bad place and... He was off duty and he, he happened to be there by sheer fluke. Uh, incredible thing that happened. Apparently your last words on before you went over were, I'm going, I'm going. Yes, I was. Well, I did and I went. 
<laughs> now, was that scripted, I'm going, no, I'm going, no, or was I, that you saying, no. I'm going, I'm feeling this, I don't I, feel like I'm... I, was, I remember. I came Did out, you fall? I came out as Den Penny, right? Yeah. And the idea was that the last time Phoenix Nights was shown, the evil club owner, Den Penny, had been in um, prison. It was sent to prison for setting fire to the Phoenix Club. So I was serving 15 years for arson in... Uh, in Strange ways, which is right opposite the MEN. So Peter had this idea. That's correct, yeah. Digging, uh, me digging my way out. And I came out to a fire starter by the Prodigy. Fantastic. I never want to hear again. And at the time, I was having problems with the heart valve and I was doing it and I wasn't feeling right. And the lads were saying something wrong with Ted, you know, he's not, he's not all together. Yeah. And um, I even said to um, Dave Spikey, who was a, Hematologist, did you know? That's that? right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Dave um, had some medically brilliant. He had a whole career as a hematologist at Bolton, Gem uh, Bolton Royal. And I'd said to Dave the night before, and I don't remember saying this, but he reminded me, Dave, if I fall over tomorrow, it's not a gag. And uh, it happened, you know. So I it happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I did a couple of gags. And what people forget is I did get a couple of laughs. <laughs> And I was going to do Relight My Fire, which we'd done with big fire burners at the back. Yeah, yeah. All I remember thinking is, oh, I'm going to lie down. I went, I'm going, I'm going, bang. And uh, I'd gone. And Gary Loco happened to be in the audience and uh, a surgeon. Within a minute, they were on me and he broke all my ribs and saved my life. And they managed to get the... Cracked your sternum, didn't they? They cracked my sternum and broke 12 ribs. I, was, I didn't want to... Some strength. That. He's ex-military, though, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Royal yeah, Army yeah. Medical Corps. Anyway, Bobby Ball said to me, Ted, you know, you've been going around saying that paramedic saved your life, broke 12 year ribs. I said, yes, Bob, he did. He said, he didn't. He said, uh, he got you back after three. He just didn't like your bleeding act. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think why I went into all that. We can cut all that out sometime. Now, have you got the death? I'll very quickly tell you. Worst death. Yes, I have. You yeah, Go on. Right. Closing ceremony of Euro 96. Yeah. I'm asked, uh, Bernard Wrighton's huge in Manchester. Yeah. It's a sport event. Yeah. I just I just give you a little preamble to this. So, if I if there's ever an event comes along, they want to do comedy and sport together. I just say forget it because it don't work, right? So uh, or for music, yeah. you don't you don't get a comedian to bring on bands. It just doesn't work. Tommy Cooper brought the police on him. Uh, you know the police uh, with fin uh, Finsbury Park apparently, mm -hmm. and uh, he he was bottled off. Tommy, Tommy Cooper. Cooper, yeah. They said Sting was a massive fan, and he went, "Tommy, will you will you bring us on?" And he did a bit, oh, you know, <laughs> and all that. And they were get off, and they, they bottled him off. Sting and, and the band were waiting in the wings, and just as he passed Sting, he went, "Follow that." <laughs> um, so, which is great. So, I go on, and my opening gag for Bernard Wright. So, for those of you who don't know Bernard. Right on. Yeah. He's a right on version of Bernard Manning. So he's a politically correct version example. of Manning. So example is my opening gambit. So I come out yeah. to 40 odd thousand people at the old Old Trafford yeah. uh, in the full gear, in the, in the you know, the full ruffled shirts, the the velveteen suits, the, the pointy boots and, and the flares and uh, my hair's done and everything. And I'm full in character. I've got a pint in one and a real fag probably in, back in 96. And I go, there's a black fella, a Pakistani and a Jew in a nightclub having a drink. Then there's a pause. And the payoff to that is, what a fine example of an integrated community, ladies and gentlemen. Now, what I don't know is, behind me... Yeah. Is Madness, the band Madness, yeah. right? 
who were being held by stage, the floor manager yeah. at the side. So I go, there's a black fella, a Pakistani, a Jew, uh, in a nightclub having a drink. What a fine example of an integrated community. And at that point, 40,000 people went absolutely f- mental. And I went, my God, this is what it must be like to be Michael Jackson or Elvis. Yes. Madness had rushed the stage. So it was nothing to do with me, my very clever, insightful joke, mm. my clever juxtaposition mm. of a racist comic into a PC one. <laughs> it was, in fact, that, that one of the Britain's biggest ska bands had <laughs> rushed the stage, and that was their welcome. So then I panicked and just went, give me an M! And they go, um, give me an A! And I thought, fucking, I hope I spell this right. <laughs> give me a D! Madness! And they went on like that. And I thought, oh, anyway, I was absolutely... I mean, I came off, and I was like... <sighs> It, it was so destroying, really, because they didn't want to know. And me and Frank Seibon, Chris was on. Oh. Me and Frank Seibon, but Chris has got that bloody <laughs> yeah. uh, paper mache head to hide behind. I haven't. <laughs> and he just come on with a dust coat. He realised he was dying on his ass too. So what he decided to do was put a dust coat on and get a broom. Just clean, keep sweeping the stage. Putting his finger like, on his mouth like that and going... <laughs> So he he copped out by just becoming by becoming a, a caretaker, yeah, yeah. and I thought I've got to get this back. So I did. It, there is there is a silver lining to this story. I thought right, I've got to get the crowd back. So I had to bring on M people, and I thought right, okay, here's the joke. So I thought right, I can do I can do this. So I saw it. Ladies and gentlemen, I said there. Thanks very much. I went. It's not often two bands split up and then come together and reform a brand new band. I'm talking, of course, about Boney M and the village people. So, ladies and gentlemen, you please welcome on stage Boney Village. And it was M people. <laughs> they weren't best pleased. I don't think, I didn't see the, I just ran because I didn't think, they didn't think, I don't know whether they, I'd, I'd love to know what they thought on the day. Bernard Wrighton hasn't been seen since. Well, I do still do them occasionally, you know. Well, I love you as well, John. I can say that in all honesty. Thank you very much for being... It's, it's good. It's got some good stories. Well, I, I, I totally enjoyed myself anyway. And you're the top man, and I love you. And uh, I'll see you around. And more power I'll see you soon. Yeah, see you very soon, John. You're, you're the... Thank you. Thanks for having me on. You're the force. Go. Thanks for talking, Ted, and talking funny. Yeah.